Man, I thank you, Lisa, and thank you, Alice. I'm like, how do I, how, where am I supposed to go with this teaching after that? The, the word has already been spoken through you, so thank you. Um, but I'll give this a whirl. And I think there are actually some really good overlapping themes. Um, but I, I think I've got a picture up here. And if you all could help me out, does anybody recognize these? Uh, the ruby slippers, yes, indeed. The ruby slippers worn by Judy Garland as Dorothy Gale in The Wizard of Oz. Uh, and what's so special about these shoes? What's that? They take you home. <laughs> so yes, these slippers have the magical power to send Dorothy home. Uh, and home is a powerful place. So many of our great literature, uh, so many of our movies concentrate on this theme of finding our way home, the journey home. Uh, and so as we get started here with the teaching, I just want to invite you to share with someone next to you uh, an experience of home. What does it mean to you? Uh, what do you think of when you think of home? Or what's a favorite memory of home? So just take a few minutes, share something that sticks out to you when you think about home. Well, thank you for sharing. I know there's lots of great chatter, so I'm sure there are plenty of stories remaining to be told. Uh, I'm, I imagine some of these stories Somebody said something about home being a warm place. Um, yeah, I'd like to be home right now. <laughs> or at least have the warmth of my home right here. But uh, yeah, home can mean different things or bring to mind different things to different people. And uh, we've all had different experiences of home. And for some of those, I want, some of us, I want to acknowledge that those experiences may have been very difficult or even painful. And yet, the reality is that we've probably all had some good and some hard experiences of home. And yet, when we think of the concept of home, of what home should be, or of what home is at its best, I think we often come to some of the same ideas beyond home being a warm place. On this past Wednesday with our KM team, we had a chance to reflect on home and some of the ideas that came about I, I want to share this morning. Because home is a very important place. And at its best, I think home represents these things. First, home at its best is a place of rest. Right? Your bed is there, maybe a comfy couch. That's where you go at the end of your day. It's a place you sleep. I always, whenever we travel, whenever we go on any trip, uh, as relaxing as vacation may be, I always look forward to getting back home in my own bed. And secondly, home is a place of nourishment. It's where we share meals together. So whenever I think of home, I think about meals. My mom happens to be a fantastic cook, so that helps. Uh, but home is a place of nourishment. And thirdly, home is a place of security. When storms arise, we have shelter. We have protection from harm. And when trouble comes, we want to go home because that's where we feel safe. 
Home is also a place of belonging, a place that shapes our identity. It's the place where we are accepted and welcomed, and no invitation is required because it's home. It's where we belong. There's no striving to fit in because we already belong, and we derive our identity from our home and our family. One of the first questions we often ask people when we meet them is, well, where are you from? Because we recognize that their hometown says something about who they are. Home is also a place of freedom, where we're free to be ourselves. Kick off the shoes, let our hair down, put on the favorite sweatshirt, as stained as it may be, cozy slippers, One of my favorite things to do with our family is to dance and sing in ways that we never would in public, for good reason, for very good reason. But at home, we're free to dance and sing, free to be who we want to be. Home is also the place from which we are sent. Rested, energized, secure in who we are, the hub from which all our daily experiences extend. As Joel shared on Wednesday, home is the place where we measure our distances from. 20 minutes from home. Oh yeah, that's about 100 miles from home. So home is a place from which we are sent. And I think that all of these things are also a very accurate description of our truest home. In John 15, Jesus uses a word frequently in that passage, those of you who may be familiar with it, it's often translated as abide or remain. And one of those times is in verse 15:9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. We don't use the word too much of abide, but in the message, Eugene Peterson paraphrases it like this. I have loved you as the Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. Friends, that is our truest home, in God's love. It is the place that we were created for. It is the place where we find true rest, true nourishment, true security. It is a place where we truly belong, where we are most fully accepted, and where we find our truest identity as God's children. It's the place of true freedom, where we are free to dance and sing, free to live and love and laugh. So to make ourselves at home in God's love is perhaps the best invitation that we can receive from Christ. And of course, it is made possible through his self-giving love through which we receive forgiveness and acceptance. It is through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are adopted into God's family and welcomed to make ourselves at home. Embracing our truest identity as God's beloved. 
I've been challenged recently that fostering my faith in this reality and truly making myself at home is probably one of the most important things I can do. Uh, one of my favorite books that I read during my time in seminary, uh, evangelist and spiritual director Elaine Heath wrote, Our calling as ministers is first and foremost a call to come home to love. And friends, I think that's true for all of us. That we need to foster this faith in this reality. Make ourselves at home. Uh, in his teaching a few weeks ago, J.R. talked about the storm uh, and Jesus walking on the water. And he shared some background information about uh, Jewish superstition about water being the place where the demons reside. And how it was actually quite natural for the disciples to think that Jesus was a ghost. And he challenged us to uh, think about some of the own superstitions we may have and how we may need to be rescued from those. And last week, in one of our house churches, they discussed some of these superstitions, and it was mentioned that for many of us, we believe that our daily devotions of prayer and reading scripture, reading scripture or if we go to church, that if we do those things, then God will love us more. And I think it's very true that this is a superstition that needs to be challenged. We cannot earn God's unconditional love. No matter how many prayers you say, no matter how many worship services you attend, no matter how much scripture you know, God will not love you any more than God already does. Because it's not possible. Because God's love for you is limitless. So we cannot earn more of God's love through these disciplines. However, they are vital practices because through them, we root ourselves more deeply in God's love for us. God doesn't love us more, but we are more aware of God's love for us. We recognize it more fully become more aware of our belovedness and begin to grasp more fully, as Paul writes in Ephesians, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep God's love is. And we experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. So it is through these disciplines that we attune ourselves to the Holy Spirit's voice, calling us beloved children of God. And we find ourselves at home. And we are strengthened in our faith to trust and believe that God's home for us is in his love. And nothing can separate us from that home. Not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not today's fears, not tomorrow's worries, not even all the powers of hell, not governments, not militaries, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is revealed 
and made manifest to us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So these are significant spiritual disciplines for us. Prayer, scripture, worship, being in the fellowship of the church. Because it is through these that we are able to find ourselves at home. To be reminded of who we truly are and whose we truly are. So Elaine Heath calls prayer homing prayer. The process through which we make the journey home and rediscover God's home for us. We take time to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, I believe one of the great roles of the Spirit is the identity affirmer. We see this at Christ's baptism. The Spirit descends like a dove We hear the voice saying, You are my beloved Son, to whom I am well pleased. And in Romans 8, Paul says the Spirit does the same thing for us. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. As I shared with Jenny uh, about what I was feeling I would teach about. Last night she read me a section from the book uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality where Peter, Peter Scazzaro describes what farmers in the Midwest used to do to prepare for blizzards. They would tie a rope from their house, from the door of their house to the barn because when these fierce blizzards occurred, visibility was zero. And so even going out to the barn was treacherous, and many people got lost in their own yard. So they would tie these ropes to hold on to so they could always find their way back home. In the midst of our busy lives, in the midst of life's blizzards and tornadoes, we need the rope of prayer and the ruby slippers of Scripture to help us find our way back to our truest home. Now, finding our home in God's love is not just for ourselves. This truth, the reality that our truest home is in God's love, is a powerful witness for a world desperately trying to find its way home. This is good news for a world where so many are homeless. Wars, economic struggle, global injustice have resulted in massive increases in immigration and in refugees, people trying to find home. And many people have also experienced the trauma of being abandoned or have experienced such difficult circumstances with their family that they had to run away. And in other ways, many in our society struggle to find their identity. Many are wandering, trying new things, trying different things, seeking to discover who they are. Uh, About a month or so ago, I stumbled upon a song from the soundtrack of Pete's Dragon, Uh, I haven't seen the movie. Somehow, uh, Spotify, I think, heard this song. Uh, And it's actually by a fairly popular band, the Lumineers. Uh, But in it, 
his song has kind of haunted me a little bit. But in it, the group sings of this reality that so many experience in the world. Saying, nobody knows how to get back home. We set out so long ago. Search the heavens and the earth below. Nobody knows how to get back home. Well, I know we don't sing hymns much here at Renew, but there is an old hymn I recall from my childhood, which is a wonderful response to those searching for home. Sorry, my voice is a little shaky this morning. I'm struggling with a cold, so it's probably better if I don't try to sing this. But many of you probably recognize this hymn. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Patiently, Jesus is waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. So for all these people, for all the spiritual orphans, wanderers, runaways, abandoned refugees, immigrants in the world, we have good news. We know where home is. And we share this good news through a distinct calling to the practice of hospitality. When we find our true home in God's love, we can offer this hospitality to the world. As Heath writes, embracing the truth of our own belovedness leads to seeing others with new eyes, the eyes of love. We begin to open our hearts to them to offer true hospitality as we share time together engage in conversation, share meals. Uh, about a month ago in early October, uh, we were visited by a pastor friend, Bob Hyatt, and he shared with us about the subversiveness of the kingdom of God and the ways in which we are called to be God's agents of sabotage. I love that language. It's exciting. Because God has called us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And he read two short parables that gathering, parables that Jesus told of the kingdom. They're found in Luke 13. Then Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. He also asked, What else is the kingdom of God like? It is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. And as Bob read these parables that morning, something stood out to me. And we usually talk about the small start of the seed and the leaven and the ways in which they grow and they transform in unbelievable ways. And I certainly think that that is a huge part of Jesus' message. But for some reason that morning, I was drawn to the birds building their nests in the branches. And I think it's partly because of Chrissy Balecki and how she makes homemade bread, fresh baked for our house church, for us to have communion. But when he read about this woman making 
bread, I couldn't help but be filled with the aroma of that fresh-baked bread. And I couldn't help but think that maybe part of what Jesus was saying is that the kingdom of God is a home and a meal. And if that's true, I can't help but think that in our world that seems to be growing increasingly divisive and polarizing, that perhaps the most subversive thing we can do in our campaign of sabotage is to practice true hospitality. A hospitality that we can only truly practice when we are home, when we have found our home in God's love. I want to close this morning with a story of a man who found his true home in the love of Christ and lived with a rich hospitality of heart. Uh, I first read this story in a book called The Signature of Jesus by Brennan Manning. And this was a number of years ago that I read this book, um, but it has stuck with me. Brennan Manning writes, At age 54, Dominique learned that he was dying of inoperable cancer. He moved to a neighborhood in the city and took a job as a night watchman at a factory. Returning home every morning at 8 a.m., he would go directly to a little park across the street from where he lived and sit down on a wooden bench. Hanging around the park were marginal people, drifters, winos, has-beens, dirty old men who ogled the girls passing by. Dominique never criticized, scolded, or reprimanded them. He laughed, he told stories, he shared his candy, and accepted them just as they, as they were. From living so long out of the inner sanctuary, he gave off a peace, a serene sense of self-possession, and a hospitality of heart that caused cynical young men and defeated old men to gravitate toward him like bacon toward eggs. His simple witness lay in accepting others as they were, without questions, and allowing them to make themselves at home in his heart. Dominique was the most non-judgmental person I have ever known. He loved with the heart of Jesus Christ. One day, when the ragtag group of rejects asked him to talk about himself, Dominique gave them a thumbnail description of his life. Then he told them, with quiet conviction, that God loved them tenderly and stubbornly, and that Jesus had come for rejects and outcasts just like themselves. His witness was credible because the word was enfleshed on his bones. Later, one old-timer said, the dirty jokes, vulgar language, and leering at girls just stopped. One morning, Dominique failed to appear on his park bench. The men grew concerned. A few hours later, he was found dead on the floor of his cold water flat. He died in the obscurity of a Parisian slum. Brennan writes, Dominique Volam never tried to impress anybody. Never wondered if his life was useful or his witness meaningful. He never felt he had to do something great for God. He did keep a journal. It was found shortly after his death in the drawer of the nightstand by his bed. 
His last entry is one of the most astonishing things I have ever read. All that is not the love of God has no meaning for me. I can truthfully say that I have no interest in anything but the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. If God wants it to, my life will be useful through my words and witness. If he wants it to, my life will bear fruit through my prayers and sacrifices. But the usefulness of my life is his concern, not mine. It would be indecent of me to worry about that. And as I read the story of Dominique Lalam, I understand and I see that he heard the voice of Jesus speaking to him. The very words that Jesus speaks to us today. I have loved you as the Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. Brothers and sisters, there's no place like home. Amen.